Welcome to Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we're going to talk about building a speaking business that works for you. And today we are joined by the amazing Marquesa Petway. Hey, Marquesa, welcome to Speakernomics. Thank you, Tom. I'm so excited to be here. So, Marquesa, what are your two tips for speakers on how to build a better business that's going to work for them? Oh, I love this question. Number one, you're not just a speaker. That's number one. Number two, why not build your speaking business around your lifestyle? I love all of this. Yeah, duh. (laughs) Come on. So we're going to have some fun unpacking this today. But for those of you who don't know Marquesa Petway, and I don't know how you couldn't know her, she is a little bit different than your average speaker. She is known in the world of the National Speakers Association and far beyond as the Zoom queen. She actually started using Zoom eight years ago, right after they launched the product. She wasn't one of these people who said, oh my gosh, there's a pandemic. What is Zoom? I will learn it. She was using it six years before that. But she is a speaker. She is a coach. And in her use of Zoom, she doesn't just use it to have a video chat. She uses Zoom different than most people. She uses it as a major tool in her business. She is clearly a Zoom expert. But today, that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how she has built up her business since she started her speaking and coaching business in 1999. She was actually downsized and had to make that leap. Like so many of us, that happened to me in 2009. I was downsized and I became a full-time speaker. But when she started, it wasn't just like opening the gates and running strong. Marquesa, in your bio and stuff that I read, you said that when you started off, it was a little intimidating. So let's go back to 1999 when you went out on your own. How did you decide to become a speaker and coach and and what was it like? Oh, my goodness, Tom. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a I just gotten promoted. I was practically engaged. (laughs) I mean, I had it all. Even the person I was going to marry, he laid out the whole house for me. I was set up for my future. Then about, I don't know, three, four weeks in, um, I go to AT&T. AT&T, that was the original job. No, this is AT&T. Yeah, AT&T Business Markets, but consumer at this point. They said, I'm sorry, we're going to have to downsize. And that means you don't have a job anymore. I was devastated. A month, I, uh, a month after your promotion, you got yes. downsized. Ouch. Um, you know how hard we work for promotions? I've been with this company almost 10 years. And, you know, it, it's a different type of job. But this is the first time I went into a whole nother segment. And it was a very big deal. So, unfortunately, they downsized me. And I was devastated. I was uh, depressed. Everything that we all go through. You've been there as well, Tom. Well, anyway... After and then I had a big fight with my then almost husband and uh, we broke up. So I'm thinking my world is over until I decided to take a shower and have a conversation with myself. You know, that shower, you can just think about whatever. And I said, Marquesa, this is it. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Well, um, I want to speak. I want to, that's what I want to do is I want to speak. Cause while at AT&T, just like every other company, they had a huge professional development conference and I had the pleasure of being the MC. 
And it was like a three, four day conference. And Tom, I thought, oh, my goodness, how can I do this every day? And that had happened about four or five years before I got downsized. And I would do little presentations here and there. But that was about it. But I never forgot about that dream, if you will. And I remember Les Brown and some others. And I thought, I don't know if I can make this happen, but I'm going to try. So while I did look for a full time gig, um, I also asked anyone, everyone, if they could tell me where to go. And to be fair, um, when I was an MC, they told me about Dale Carnegie as well as Toastmasters. I didn't know about either. And uh, so I have buddies at Toastmasters and I said, hey, guys, I want to speak and get paid. And got introduced to someone actually with an NSA that told me about uh, NSA. You got to go check it out. Went to my local chapter, asked everybody. And you know, my first job, Tom, was with the CPAE, CSP, Marjorie Brody. I worked for her company as a contract trainer and I've just grown from then. And that was almost 16 years ago. Wow, that is that is an amazing, amazing path. And and you really have done a lot of things in your career. And, and you know, I want to dive into these tips that you gave us, because I think that they're really interesting for people to really listen to, whether they're a new speaker, an aspiring mm-hmm. speaker, or even someone like me who's been doing it for close to 15 years. So tip number one is you are more than a speaker. What do you mean by that? Well, The day I saw myself as what I call a speakerpreneur, I coined that term, and not just a speaker, everything changed. Um, Remember, I came from TV, then corporate. I entrepreneurship was nowhere on my radar. And like a lot of other speakers, I thought, okay, well, now my phone is just going to ring. I just got to put a website up and that's it. And little did I know it took a whole lot of other things to do this, not just great presentation skills and great selling skills, but you actually needed to know how to be an entrepreneur. So one of the very first decisions I had to make was, do you want to work for someone else and be a speaker, you know, like a contract speaker, or do you want to work for yourself? Now I did work for the seminar companies, which a lot of speakers did like national seminars, skill path, that sort of thing. Um, and, Great experience, but very little to no money and a lot of time. And it was the inspiration behind me starting a lifestyle business, which we'll talk about later. Anyway, I decided, okay, I want to be my own boss. I don't like people telling me what to do and I will never be downsized again and shocked again. Um, So I made a decision. I realized I have to be an entrepreneur. And then that's when I start learning entrepreneurial skills. Like, I don't know, I have to manage my own money. I have to, you know, all of these things. And I will say this small piece. Part of my downsizing package was AT&T was investing in my business. They gave you like a small stipend to spend on your business. So that was also wonderful. Um, And I, you know what? I did it. I love being my own boss, but I just had to get used to what that looked like and what that meant. Well, for so many of us, that that thing that you are so much more than a speaker, because we love being on stage. That hour we're giving a keynote is is that natural high. That that's why we got mm-hmm. into this business. But you have to be the accountant. You have to be the marketing manager. You have to be the bill collector. You have to be the person who creates the invoices. So, what are some of the things that you ran into in this world of you're more than just the speaker? What are some of the things that were hard for you that you overcame and how did you overcome the the hardships? Well, I love that. Uh, Since I started with the seminar companies, I felt 
like I wasn't in control. I would get up every day and speak to an audience and I loved every single minute of that. But then once I got off stage, I was uh, exhausted because I had to drive to yet another city. Um, I went from six figures to making, if I was lucky, $2 an hour. I joke about that, but it was very little money. So I quickly went into debt Tom, and I said, okay, I love this. And then I will give the credit to that. I learned with the seminar companies. I got a chance to be an MC, Tom. I got a chance to do an entire creative marketing day because that was my background. Uh, So sort of lead and facilitate a think tank. You know, I got a chance to I had people calling me while I was on the road. Hey, I want to I want you to coach me. And then after the third time, I said, I am not wasting my time coaching you. Well, we'll pay you. No, I'm a speaker, Marquesa. I'll pay you. Eventually, I said yes. So one of the early lessons I learned was you're not just a speaker, you're an expert. So what are the different ways that you can share your expertise That was huge for me in the beginning. Um, I love keynoting, Tom. I love emceeing. I love running a mastermind. I love a membership group. I love being a licensor. The list goes on, a brand ambassador. I just love doing whatever it is I want to do as long as it's part of my expertise. Does that make sense? No, it makes total Freedom. sense. And and you said Freedom. something that was that was really fascinating because back about, I don't know, five or six episodes ago, I interviewed Patricia Fripp and I asked her how she moved from being a keynote speaker to this renowned presentation skills coach. And her answer was that when twice in the same day, two people asked her for coaching, she knew you were supposed to listen to the universe. And you basically said the same thing that, no, I'm a speaker. Oh, wait a minute. You want to pay me for coaching? You want to pay me to run a mastermind? You want to pay me to facilitate your group, all of a sudden you did the same thing. You listened to the universe and if there was money in it and if you could connect it to your speaking business, you said yes. And I will tell you for a lot of us, myself, your, your, your humble host included, I didn't learn that message very well until the global pandemic hit. People always said, Tom, maybe you should diversify your business. And I'm like, why? I'm given like 40 keynotes or MC gigs a year. Why? Like there's going to be a global pandemic that would shut down the meetings yeah. business? Come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so go. the fact that you learned this early probably was something that set you up better than a lot of us over the last couple of years. So do you think that, you know, realizing early on that, hey, I'm more than a speaker, if I can make money doing these other things that tie back into my speaking business, you know, that's a good thing. Do, do you think that helped you over the last 18 months? That, oh my goodness, I was ready for it because I fell in love with virtual speaking. I, there's nothing like in person. I will say that forever, but my goal was, well, how can I still be virtual, still be connected, but do it in different ways and still make lots of money. Right. Because one of the lessons I made early on was, okay, if you ever want to go back to six figures plus, You can't keep continuing to do what you do. And then I would go to these big companies, Tom, and sometimes universities, and they would tell me how much they paid the seminar companies. And then the seminar company turned around and paid me a lot less, which they should have done. No shade. But for me, that wasn't good for my pocketbook. So I immediately knew, okay, I want to do different things. And I do not want to have to depend on one type of income stream. So yes, absolutely. From the beginning. Plus I get bored. (laughs) I can't do the same thing the same way the same day. Does that make sense? I get bored. (laughs) Well, it makes a lot of sense. And you also said that you had fallen in love 
with virtual speaking and using this. And, and you started using Zoom eight years ago, which I, I yeah. too have been using it for many years before the pandemic, but not eight years. And mm -hmm. your nickname, the Zoom Queen, actually existed before the pandemic. And this is the thing I find interesting because so many people who are speakers and others became, and I'm making little air quotes for those who can't see it, became Zoom experts in April of 2020. But you were already positioned as a Zoom expert and you already knew the platform before we had to all move home and, and, and work over these virtual virtual ways. So what are some of the ways, I know we're not talking about Zoom today, but it's a, been a big part of your business the last 18 months. What are some of the ways that you're knowing this platform and you're having used it? What are some of the ways it made you money and made you successful over the past 18 months? Oh, I love that, Tom. Well, I think I went from about four or five streams of income to are you sitting down like nine. <laughs> but I did not change again my expertise. So I already knew Zoom and it's important that speakers understand that I use Zoom again as a business tool. I use it to increase impact, influence and, of course, income. Um, so it's like another employee to me. So that being said, a lot of people wanted to know, how do I do a full Zoom and make it look professional? Just yesterday, Tom, and Tom knows this because we've been kind of going back and forth. I just finished part one of a five-day book lunch for a client with an audience. I think the audience was 300 people. I served as the MC, but she also hired Zoom Support Studio, which is my company. So I don't know doubled my income you hear me so there was an income stream because i brought in my own producers i executive produced it and i was the mc was it exhausting a lot absolutely so that was one of the ways i also offer zoom licenses under me and that's a huge investment as well and then another thing i do is i said wait a minute there are some other people that go to bed and wake up in the morning and all they do is think about Zoom. I know I'm not the only one. So let me find those people. Let's all get in a club and just talk about Zoom and Ecamm, you know, Zoom and vMix, Zoom and all these awesome things, because you can literally look like you're on a TV set on Zoom. So really, how can I stand out from everybody else? So here's the deal. You can be a Zoom expert, but if you look like everybody else, then... I don't know that that's going to help you. And I have this thing about wanting to be different from everybody else. So it really took my income to the next level. It was insane. It, it probably quadrupled my clientele for sure. And beyond Zoom, I mean, you use Zoom as the platform. You've been hosting mastermind groups and facilitated programs and stuff for years where you've been for sort of years. the coach. Yeah. And, and that, mm -hmm. how, did, how did you get into running these these different groups and what type of topics have you served as the expert for these communities? Well, since the big lesson that we kind of started off with was I'm not just a speaker, I'm a speakerpreneur. As I would learn, I would teach. As I would learn, I would share. And it's funny because it really started with the Toastmasters community. They would always say, well, how did you do this? How did you do that? And I said, well, wait a minute, Marquesa, you, you, you can't meet with everybody one on one. So why not just have everyone come in and meet with you at one time? And before I knew it, I was doing this thing called retreats. <laughs> and I said, oh, I kind of like this. And it went from one day to three days. So I would talk about how do I create, all, again, all of these multiple streams of income. You are in a very, you've been in a, a peer-based mastermind for years, Tom, but there's a lot of people that really struggle to find the right mastermind and most importantly, make money with it. And I learned this years ago as I was part of a $50,000 a year mastermind. 
then I said, wait a minute. And I learned a lot of lessons from that. So eventually I created my own and my mastermind got up to that point. So I learned a lot of this in that speakerpreneur mode, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's awesome. I, I mean, we could keep peeling back the layers of the onion of your speaking business and find many more things, but you had a second tip. And the second tip was yes. build your business around your lifestyle. Now, what's interesting uh-huh. is every now and then you hear people who say, oh, well, as a speaker, you just have a lifestyle business and they make that a negative. And yet for you, you're like, no, no, make a lifestyle business. You, you say it with such enthusiasm. So what do you mean by build your business around your lifestyle? And why is that a positive? Oh, my goodness. This is everything. Another lesson I learned uh, when I worked for the seminar companies. Uh, I gained like 30, 40 pounds. It was bad. Went into debt. Did not have a social life. So it was kind of like I went from hero to zero every day. I was miserable. I said, wait a minute. Now, if I'm going to do this and not go back to corporate America, then I need to love it and I need to enjoy it. So I need to do it on my terms. And then I also do not like to depend on one stream of income. Um, I, I learned that early on as well. So this is my definition of a lifestyle business. For me, it means shaping your business around your values, how you want your time to be spent and how you want to serve. So, for example, I do not like doing a lot of one on one coaching over time. So then I made a decision. How can I still coach? Because I enjoy doing it, but I don't want to do it where we're meeting every single week or anything like that. The most I'll meet with you is maybe twice a month. That's when I created something for me. And this is years ago when I didn't hear anybody else that had it called VIP days. And I said, okay, they would fly to New York City, spend six hours with me, and we would map out their entire business. Then I realized it was taking up a lot of my weekends. So then I said, okay. Maybe I can bring in three people at one time. We'll do it over three days. So again, I said, what is it that I need right now? If I want to do a lot of traveling, then I figure out how can I travel more? I remember flying to Mexico. I mean, all of these different places in order to uh, do it, whatever it is I wanted to do. I remember going to San Diego, Tom, staying in a hotel and setting up a whole VIP day headquarters and several people I met with four to be exact over three days all met with me again. Where are you? Where are you at in your life at that moment? It changes for me. There's some seasons where I want to travel like crazy. There are other seasons where I want to stay close to home for whatever reason. And the speaker that says, oh, you don't need a lifestyle business. I don't understand that because life changes. Sometimes you find yourself being a parent, right? And maybe you need to stay closer to home. Sometimes what if your mate all of a sudden gets a job where he or she needs to travel a lot and you want to travel with them? We can do that in this business. What if you need to go overseas? Does that mean your speaking business stops? So lifestyle just means What's important to you and how can you shape your business around it? And I learned that at an early age. I want to be happy, <laughs> you know? Well, I, first of all, you sound, your, your voice, happiness exudes from your voice. So that's, <laughs> that's a good thing. But you also alluded to something a minute ago about what season are you in? And I love that analogy of 
as we go through life, things change. We go through different seasons in our life and we go through different seasons in our business. So can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by a business season and, and how you approach them? Obviously, you know, sometimes uh, we, we didn't do a great job of preparing for winter. Winter was coming and, and they kept telling us that on HBO and we didn't know. Yeah. But uh, winter was coming. But, you know, how do you prepare for those other seasons? Well, what I do is I ask myself, what business season am I in right now? This helped me. De- this helps me decide my life priorities uh, that I'm dealing with. And then whatever I figure out, well, before I know the season, I have to ask myself a few questions like what's happening in my life right now? What are my priorities right now? So, for example, if my priority is I really want to write a book. Well, I kind of got a little bit of ADHD going on. (laughs) So if I'm going to do something that requires that amount of focus, I can't be on the road every week or every other month or it's not happening. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Or if I decided, you know what, I really want to build a high-end mastermind or recently I decided I wanted to be a brand ambassador um, and do some things that are just way outside the norm. Uh, but then when I would get calls, they would say, well, we need you in New York City. And that's where I live. So I'm thinking, OK, what can I do to leverage this city? This city is awesome. And I frankly, at that point, I didn't really want to travel if I didn't have to. So I'm always thinking, what it, what stage am I in? Am I at at my business? There was one point um, that I realized, OK, I need to just sort of change my systems in the back end, make them a little bit more organized. I remember going from Infusionsoft that I was with for years, moving over to Kajabi, which I love. That took so much time and so much energy, but I needed to be home. I also needed to not work five days straight. So I needed maybe for two days to work and then the other three days, just put that towards the system. And one other thing I do that a lot of people know, I go on the ground twice a year. Yes, I did. I go underground, which means from December the 15th until February the 1st, I do not work directly with clients. Now, I know some people will say, well, what if you have a speaking engagement? I will do that. But usually around the holidays, I don't have to worry about that. December is certainly a slow time. January, you might have one or two. But yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I'll do that, but I don't do any coaching. My masterminds pause, my membership groups pause, my licenses are sort of automated. So, and then I'm not really doing podcasting or live streaming uh, because now I'm just working on my business instead of in my business. And then if I can afford to, based on what's happening in my life, I will also take off one month during the summer, usually right after NSA, because I tend to be exhausted. <laughs> so, right, you know, I'll take off at that point. You yeah. know, that, that NSA influence conference for speakers is amazing. And it's so full of information and getting around people and sharing ideas. But you do need at least a week afterwards <laughs> to be able to process it or none of it will exactly. stick. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the time I follow up, figure this out, figure that out. And then really ask myself, it's like I have a board meeting with myself. What did I learn? And so what am I going to do with those lessons? If that makes sense. Um, I just need to wrap my business around whatever I'm feeling, uh, address whatever is not working. Sometimes it's been team, a team situation that I've had to deal with. You name it. I've had to do a few different things. Um, But again, I always go back to if you're going to work for yourself, then why wouldn't you 
you know, shape your business to your heart desires. Now, is it always perfect? Absolutely not. Do you sometimes get the season wrong? Yes. Do you sometimes say, oh my goodness, that wasn't a good idea? Absolutely. Yes. But in the 16 years, it certainly worked for me. Absolutely. I time map myself. In other words, one of the early lessons I learned when I started to create this lifestyle business was do not create a calendar that you send out where people can book and they can just book any day during the week. So maybe Monday at two, you know how you do it, Tuesday at three. And that makes no sense because my brain needs to be focused on one type of thing I do in my business per day. So if I'm strictly masterminds, maybe that's two Thursdays a month. Makes sense. And then if I'm coaching, maybe that's one Tuesday a month. And if I'm speaking, then that that's kind of sporadic around the month. But I shape my month out to work for what I needed to work for. No, that, and I'm noticing I'm not overweight anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, you, 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 you added that to your lifestyle and you got in shape and you did all this, but you bring up an interesting point. In addition to Speakernomics, I am the host of another association podcast and a company podcast. Plus I have my own podcast. So between those Tuesdays are usually podcast interview day. And that way yep. I can block the calendar all the way through. Now, if I get a speaking gig, I sometimes have to open up other days or sometimes like today we're recording this on a Thursday because you had that that big event going on earlier in the week. Yep. So you have to have mm -hmm. some flexibility, but I do the same thing with the, the arm of my business, if you will, that is being a professional podcast host. I do that on Tuesdays so that my focus can be there. And sometimes people say, well, how can you do six interviews back to back? I love doing it. So I get really charged up. So it actually, your point works really well. My lifestyle is built that Tuesday I could interview 10 people. It would be awesome. But then I can't do that seven days a week. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you something, Tom, when, um, not bragging or anything, but when I had a chance to be on a Drew Barrymore show and, um, you know, you know, all of us, we're used to when our circles is not that impressive. We're used to being on all these different TV shows. But I remember when they called and they said, well, we don't know when we're going to, you know, they'll call and get you all excited and say, well, we're, we think you would be great for this segment. Then they call and say, well, not this week. Well, then really, I got bumped for some celebrity. Then they'll say, OK, now now next week I realize, OK. I need to be close to home to do that. But this is the point I'm making. I called a few of my colleagues because this particular show said, do you have a friend that you can bring on that can also talk about X, Y, and Z? And I thought about four or five of my fellow speakers. And I was surprised that quite a few of them didn't quite have that flexibility in their business, whether it was working a full time job. Nothing's wrong with that. Maybe they weren't in New York any longer because a lot of people did leave New York during the pandemic. Um, it was just different reasons. And I was I thought to, I, I thought, wait a minute, I thought everyone kind of managed their own schedule. And so that was interesting to me. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that's one of the greatest parts about the last 12 years of, of working in this business is the flexibility that, that I've been able to find it. So as we wrap up this interview, as as you know, we started by saying, you know, how can speakers build a business that works for you? Do you have mm -hmm. any other information you'd like to leave behind for our speaker colleagues about what they can do to find more success, make more money or just love life the way that Marquesa Petway loves life? Yes. Here's another thing, Tom. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we all want to, I want to say, fit in and, I don't know, do what everybody else is doing. Uh, take the advice that everybody gives us. One of the early lessons uh, in my life 
was and continues to be sometimes the direction you go in or, or how you, the business that you decide to, whichever way you decide to shape your business is going to be different from everybody else. So first you got to ask yourself for me, I got to ask God and then I talk to my parents and then I may go to others. So I learned really early just because Tom is doing and is working for him or uh, Crystal is doing and is working for her or, or whatever I'm a Congo is doing is working for him. Doesn't mean that it's working for me and it doesn't mean I'm less successful figure out what's right for you. And it, it, again, seriously, uh, early in this business, oh, if you're not a keynoter, then you're not really a, a real speaker. Or if you're coaching, you, you're not really a real speaker. Well, according to who, <laughs> you know, you see what, it, literally, when I, back in the day, way before the pandemic, and I would do a ton of virtual speaking, some of my colleagues would look at me like, oh, so you don't really speak. Are you kidding me? Do you know how much money I'd make? And do you know so, how much harder, you know how much harder it is to do virtual speaking? <laughs> Hello. Hello. Well, now people see it. Yeah. Absolutely. So just, just, just do what you want. Don't stop worrying about everybody judging you. My mom and my grandma would always say, whatever you think about me is none of my business unless you tell me. <laughs> so, yeah. So just stop it. Just, just listen to yourself is what I'm saying. I think that piece of advice will take you far. Oh, I think that's awesome. I tell people all the time that if we lined up 10 speakers, you're going to find 10 different paths of how they got to the speaking business and how they That's found right. and how they find success in the speaking business. So I think I think that your advice has been fantastic here today. I am so excited that you got to join us on Speakernomics. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Tom. <laughs> and thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. Remember, Speakernomics is the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. If you're not familiar with NSA, go check them out at nsaspeaker.org. And then make sure you come back to this podcast every single week for more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money as a professional speaker. And always remember the motto of this podcast, speak get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.